Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're here again with another episode of the Digital Transformation Podcast. We thank you for joining us. We thank you for listening and your participation. We're excited to hear from you and get your ideas and thoughts. This episode, we're very, very fortunate to have not only my colleague and friend, Curtis Campbell, but we have with us Tim Tang. Tim is a subject matter expert for Hughes On Group at Hughes and has been with us before talking about some of the industry activities and things that he's seen. But today we're specifically going to focus on an article that Tim penned in the LinkedIn world called Outdoor EMV Liability Shift, The Trainwreck We All See Coming. It's a very, very provocative title, Tim. Why don't you tell us just a little bit to kind of set the stage? What is EMV, outdoor EMV versus indoor EMV? Just a, just a little background, a little history there. Thanks, Mike. When we talk about the outdoor EMV liability shift, we are talking about taking chip transactions out at the fuel pump. So if you'll think back to 2015, we made a big transition from swiping credit cards inside the store to using the chip that's been embedded into uh, the credit cards and dipping them into the machines. This is a more secure, less fraud uh, prevalent type solution, much more difficult to replicate the uh, credit cards. You say that EMV means taking advantage of the chip that most of our credit cards are starting to come with now. So when I place my credit card into a machine and the, the machine says, leave your card, then I'm participating in a chip protected transaction. But if the machine only has me dip it in and pull it right back out again, then I'm not taking advantage of that chip technology yet. Yes. So if you think about credit cards, the biggest problem with credit cards is that they're so easy to replicate. And they're so easy to replicate because of that mag stripe. So what we're talking about now with EMV transactions is we're not using the mag stripe, actually. Instead of swiping the card and using the mag stripe to do the transaction, we're actually using that chip, that shiny little piece of metal on the credit cards that you see that is so popular now. That shiny little chip is much, much more difficult to replicate. And so that's why EMV transactions are so much more secure. So there was great excitement in doing EMV transactions. In, actually, in the U.S. is catching up with the rest of the world. Europe, Canada, everyone around the world has made their transition to EMV transactions. It's the U.S. now where we're actually starting to catch up. Back in 2015, inside the store, the liability shift took place where if you didn't make the transition from MagSwipe to the chip as a retailer, you'd be responsible for the fraud. Now, when we talk about retail petroleum, it's much more difficult to actually upgrade the fuel pumps to actually accept this chip transaction. So when we're talking about this October 2020 liability shift, essentially what we're talking about is retail petroleum has been given kind of an extension, if you will, to October. First it was 2017. Then they were given another extension to October 2020. So there's already been one extension here. But come next year, October 2020, if you're a gas station who's selling fuel and you do not have not upgraded your pumps or the electronics to accept EMV transactions at the pump, you will be held responsible for the fraud that takes place at your pump. So you guys know me. I'm a an Apple junkie, you know, everything Apple and me, I'm Apple and I'm Apple Pay. If I come to a pump that accepts Apple Pay, 
is it safe for me to presume two things? One, that that Apple Pay transaction is as secure as the chip functionality on my credit card. And B, if the pump's now doing Apple Pay, does that mean by definition that it's also doing the chip or are these completely unrelated? So the chip speaks to the chip on the, the credit card transaction. A very interesting way of getting around this, though, is to go contactless. And so that is another kind of alternative that is getting a lot of excitement and a lot of interest, kind of leapfrogging, if you will. So at the end of the day, we are talking about fraud. And as a C-store operator, the big question is, how much of this am I going to have to pay? Now, if I can avoid fraud by enabling my pumps to do uh, chip transactions, okay, that's one solution or approach. Another uh, would be if I can go contactless with my transactions and just prevent the ability for fraud for it even occurring, then there's no fraud for me to pay for either. So all of these solutions are on the table right now. And there's a lot of interest right now saying, well, what's the right approach? Am I going to go and try to get new hardware to support the outdoor EMV transactions and, and go through down that path? Or do I just switch and go to contactless credit card transactions at the point? contactless means a device, you know, my iPhone or somebody's Android Pay or something like that. Is there anything else besides the smartphones that lets me do contactless payments? I was going to say, I bear in mind it wasn't Retail Petroleum, but I was actually at Costco. And they can actually take your physical card, just hold it over the credit card reader, and it picks it up, and it's able to ding your card right then. So I don't know if that's the same thing we're talking about, but to me that suggests that's relatively similar. Yeah, so these are different dimensions of how we deal with the transaction and pay for our fuel. So with the chip transaction, we're taking a card and the action is called dipping it. We dip it into the swiper, we complete the transaction, and then we pull it back out. When we talk about contactless, we can tap and go, essentially tap the electronics via RFID and complete the transaction that way. The other one that uh, I think you were alluding to a little bit earlier was this idea of mobile pay. And where you see with all the major oils and others too as well is this whole idea of with a mobile app on my phone, I can actually activate the pump over the internet and reach out to that controller and say, I'm at store one, two, three, I'm at pump number four, turn on that pump and I can complete the transaction without using the credit card devices. I'm outside of that transaction method too as well. So I've got... Other ways of solving this problem in terms of how do I deal with this liability shift? And what we talk about in the article is it's a massive problem. It costs anywhere from, depending on your purchasing power, $15,000, $25,000 to replace a pump. So when you start adding those dollars up, you know, typical C-stores can have anywhere, well, from the smaller guys, four to six pumps, to the larger guys who are pushing 20, 50 pumps. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk about several hundreds of thousands of dollars per gas station to upgrade and basically become compliant to these new requirements. So any alternative, be it a upgrade kit uh, in terms of upgrading the electronics at the pump to accept a tap and go, or even upgrading it uh, from a mobile pay and just upgrading the site controller so that I can drive these transactions outside of a rip and replace of all my fuel pumps are very attractive options for dealing with this. So let's talk for just a minute on the the other side of that equation because the the C-Store operator, and again, you've made it very clear both in the article and here that there's big guys and then there's the single site operators, the small guys. First of all, what is the typical monthly fraud dollar amount that's going to get kicked back at me? Because again, I'm going to sit down and say to upgrade my pumps is going to cost me, let's just say for argument's sake, $100,000. 
how many months of fraud chargebacks is that so I can make my risk analysis? What's a monthly, you know, at a, at a standard local gas station? What's the fraud rate? That is, that is the question underneath this EOV liability shift. And it is, it's a tough one to answer, in part because when you think about the fraud that takes place, there are so many different entities in the credit card ecosystem, from the card issuers, to the payment processors, the acquirers, that it, a lot of that fraud in, in today's world, the retailer actually doesn't see. Uh, and so it's a tough number to get the, your hands around. And it's not the same for all retailers either, too, as well. You know, when you think about the bad actors that are out there who are stealing, they target areas that are just that lend themselves easily for fraud. So in the U.S., uh, Florida, South Texas, the international travel, the uh, the borders lend themselves to higher fraudulent type activities. And hence, that's where actually a lot of the outdoor EV, what little we've seen is actually kind of focused. So for many of the larger retailers, when they look at their footprint of all their stores, if they've come to the conclusion that, hey, we're not going to be able to afford an across the board upgrade, then option number two, if you will, or plan B, if you will, is let's focus the upgrades then on the stores that are have the highest propensity for fraud in our phase one deployment upgrade. And then we'll just start to gradually phase two, phase three, start working our way inland to the Midwest where fraud isn't as prevalent. To give you a number, I think the typical numbers that we see today for fraud at a C-store, a reasonable guess, and it's, it is a guess, uh, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of two to $3,000 per month per C-store. Okay. Now, that's, that's our starting point. Let's just take that as a baseline assumption. Then we look down the road and we think about October 2020. By October 2020, a lot of the larger retailers are already on path to becoming outdoor EMV compliant. So if we look at Europe, we look at Canada and say, what happened when they turned on their outdoor EMV? Basically, we see all the fraud shifting and the fraud because, it again, it's much more difficult to actually replicate that card with the chip on it than it is a mag stripe swipe. So the fraud shifts inbound. So that two, three thousand dollars a month that today the retailer may not even know about because the major oils or because some other entity, the acquires or the, the banks just swallow it today. But come October 2020. That's that's going to change where now the retailers suddenly going to see a check for or a bill or a fee for two thousand dollars a month, three thousand dollars a month. That may be the initial hit. But then as the EMV from the larger retailers gets turned on, well, all that fraud is going to start shifting to the smaller guys. That two thousand dollars could grow to three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. And the big challenge here is that the single store operator makes up the lion's share of the retail petroleum market. So there's 150,000 C-stores in North America, about 120,000 of them, 122,000 of them sell fuel. About 60% of that 122,000 are single store operators. And so suddenly it's an enormous population. Over 70,000 operators are going to suddenly wake up and start getting these bills for $2,000, $5,000, and they're going to say, uncle, and saying, I can't afford this. And you're going to have 70-some thousand operators suddenly say, I want to do outdoor MV, I want to do outdoor MV. But there are practical limits uh, to the industry in terms of technicians, resources to actually do these upgrades. And so they're going to be hit with a waiting list. Two months, four months, six months. You may have to wait 24 months after you do an order because we got 70-some thousand uh, other uh, C-store operators scrambling to try to do an outdoor MV. And all the while you're waiting, that 
16, 24 months, you're paying $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 in fees. And so when I talk about a train wreck that we all see happening, this is not a hard storyline to follow. It's going to put a lot of these single store operators out of business. So a chargeback, and I, I think I understand this, but just for clarity's sake, Every day I take credit cards and the money processes and so forth. And then at some reckoning period, the credit card clearinghouse says, well, last month you accepted $150,000 worth of credit card payments. And we've had 40 of them come back as fraudulent, which adds up to $2,000. So we're simply going to subtract that from the money that we transfer to you in that whole payment process. Is that reasonable? I mean, it's it's going to be money that I was expecting to come into my bank that doesn't come in, that, that fraud chargeback. Yeah, but when we think about the credit card ecosystem, you know, fraudulent is like the dirty laundry that nobody really wants to talk about, right? If you're a card issuer or you're a choir, nobody really wants to, or a major oil, nobody really wants to talk about the how much fraud is taking place. And if it's it's a business decision, how much is it worth it for me as a, a credit card, a, a company, uh, a major oil to go back to my retailer and say, you owe me X thousands of dollars of fraud versus how much business am I doing with them? And what motivations are they going to have to switch to another processor or to another brand even? I, nobody wants to see that happen. And so there's great motivation right now not to burden the retailer with the fraud. But come October 2020, that liability shift is going to change the story for everybody. And so now the big question is, for the first time, retailers are going to see this fraud bill and they're going to see it firsthand and say, uh, what am I to do with this? I have a question real quick. So um, with regards to the, the, the fraud, right? So have all the credit card companies, be it Visa, Discover, American Express, whatever, have they all kind of gathered together? And I know you said there was a hard line in September of seven, or October of 17, and now that's been extended to October of 2020. Did they all kind of join forces and say, this is when we're going to expect all this to happen? Or is this has there been like a government entity that's been pushing this? Yeah, see, that's the one of the big challenges here. This is not legislation. This is not the government saying that uh, we're creating a new law that says you're suddenly responsible. This is this is a, uh, a a a fact of doing business in the retail petroleum world. If you want to take credit card transactions, there's no law that says you have to buy credit card services from so and so entity. It's it's your choice, <laughs> but it's your choice when you look at the behemoths in this world. Is it really a choice for a retailer to say, hey, listen, I don't want to take Visa transactions? <laughs> they don't have a choice. They've got to take Visa credit card transactions. And, and Visa, MasterCard, they're the ones who are basically saying, hey, we we are changing our business model now. Mr. Miss Retailer, you are going to be responsible now for this liability shift. Yeah, so I guess the follow-up question I have for this then is, there are retailers, I mean, case studies of retailers who have opted to leave Visa altogether because of excessive fees. Um, I don't know. I, again, leaving the retail petroleum specific part of the discussion for a minute, there's a retailer that's Kroger, right? Mm -hmm. Kroger recently started having certain of their banners stop accepting Visa. So is that, do you see retail petroleum operators and even single, and just say, we're not going to accept credit cards anymore? I don't really see that's a viable option, but I'm just wondering your perspective. No, that was a very meaningful milestone to see a, a retailer like Kroger step across that line and saying, we're not going to take Visa transactions. But uh, in this day and age, it is the exception to the rule. It is not the norm. Sure. And uh, it's not 
likely to change uh, from an industry perspective. And what we're seeing, though, is something of a very interesting inflection point, right? The question is, is what is the this long tail, if you will, of credit card transactions in North America? If you look across at other countries, I mean, China, credit cards don't have the prominence they did here. China has kind of moved to a kind of a digital economy that's all kind of mobile pay base. So it's, it's intriguing to see different countries of the world take different approaches. But here in the States, we are very attached to our credit cards. And it's going to be a very lengthy process, if you will, to, to move right. It's a generational that. thing, though, because, I mean, if mobile pay is is a good way to do it and is an option and an alternative, the next generation is very attached to their mobile devices. So you might be able to see that. What What is the consumer's position or situation in all of this? So, I mean, should I, as a, as a consumer, be looking at my local C-store where I go every other week or so to buy fuel, if they're not chip enabled, should I be thinking about changing where I get fuel? So that's a really interesting question too as well, because retail petroleum as an industry is changing too as well. So we we have a, a number of factors. You know, this is a business that is built on three pillars, smokes, cokes, and gas uh, to a large extent. So it's cigarettes, the sodas, and the fuel. When you look at one of the, the big pillars there, cigarettes, that revenue stream, if you will, and the profitability of that has declined dramatically over the past years. And so the retail petroleum as an industry has seen that. And that's a big reason why you've seen so many of them have kind of shifted to hot prepared foods, that this is going to be kind of the new identity, if you will, in terms of the new revenue stream of where they're going to actually make their business. And they are succeeding at it. They are coming out with quality products that are giving the QSRs and the other restaurant brands a run for their money. And particularly in this day and age, as we look at a convenience oriented society, where you know people are looking for how do I make life easier for myself, and so clearly the C stores have a, a very strong play to take uh, in this space. So when you look at what's going on in the C store industry uh, from a fueling perspective, well, we have the electrical vehicles uh, that are showing up, so that's leading to a decline in the fuel patrons that are coming to a C stores. We have the increased mileage requirements, uh, you know, across the board from even everything from the pickup trucks to the the four door sedans, and that's all. Also, improved mileage is also having a declining impact on the fuel. So as a C-Store operator, you're starting to realize that I'm having fewer and fewer customers come to buy fuel from me. I've got to reinvent myself. I've got to find new ways of enticing customers to actually do business with me. You know, Tim, at the end of your article, you you wrote something that I, I wanted to bring up in here because it was, it was really quite provocative. And that was some of these single-site operators might need to be creating an exit strategy. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, you're suggesting that this change, they'll sit down, they'll do their math and they'll say, I can't afford to stay in this business. But then what we were just talking about now, what you were just commenting on, do you foresee a time when the C-store could just say, take the tanks out of the ground, I'm not in the fuel business anymore, but I'm going to survive as a you know, C-store? I mean, there's 30,000, 28 to 30,000 of those kind of stores today. Is that where we're going? Is it going to become harder to find a place to get fuel? It's a tough question to get your hands around, right? When you think about the implications, there's a very, very long tail here. When you look at EV vehicles, for example, just taking that, it's you know a few percentage points of all the vehicles that are out there. So 
there's a, a meaningful business opportunity today in the C-store industry. And if you look at it, a lot of the M&A activity, and as I talk to also those who are funding a lot of this activity, the C-store industry is still commanding a meaningful premium. So what I was alluding to in that article is this is the peak time. I see this is the time if you were to take an exit strategy. Uh, and part of my motivation for writing that article was this would be the time to get out because it's only going to get harder. When you start thinking about October 2020, when we think about tens of thousands of C-stores suddenly being hit with credit card fees that they can't afford, when all of them either A, try to get EMV at the same time, there's going to be a long wait. If all of them sell at the same time, it'll be pennies on the dollar. And those who will actually do the MA, they will be picking and choosing the best and getting incredible deals for them because there's just so much to choose from. It'll be a lot of supply for the demand. Yes, yeah. it's it's a, a very simple supply and demand, and unfortunately, the supply is going to overwhelm the demand. So as we kind of bring this to a close and start to summarize, is it fair to say that your message to any C-store operator, but specifically to the smaller one, two, three shop owners, start doing your math right now. Start asking yourself, what's your plan? If you can afford it, great. You know, there's a tidal wave coming. Let's get prepared. But if you're not sure or you can't, start looking at your options all the way from stopping the sale of fuel to selling your business or, you know, checking out. This is going to happen. Just like it did in Europe, just like it did in Canada, the U.S. is following suit. Outdoor EMV, it's going to happen at the pump. And as a C-store operator, you don't want to be caught unprepared. This is too big of an issue. And unfortunately, it's rather unprecedented. You don't see something like of this magnitude hitting the entire industry in such a short amount of time. And the dollars and the monies, the, the money story here is so compelling. You've got credit card acquirers, the whole credit card ecosystem, if you will, who does not want to tolerate the fraud anymore. And they have a viable solution. If consumers would just use the chip and if the merchants will put chip-capable transaction devices, we can make a lot of that bag stripe fraud that is so prevalent, so easy to take, just simply go away like it did in Europe, like it did in Canada. So there's a big, compelling business reason for the credit card ecosystem to enforce this and push this on. Operators need to understand that and realize this wave is not going to go away and get ready for it. And either A, get out if you don't want to deal with it, or B, if you want to stay in the industry, then come up with a very specific plan for how you will thrive and how you will make the transition to the outdoor EMV world. Oh. Well, listen, we, uh, we'll bring this episode to a close. We really appreciate Tim being with us and sharing his ideas. For those of you that are interested, it is Tim Tang. He is available on LinkedIn, and these articles are posted under his account on LinkedIn, and I encourage you to look him up, check out the articles, and if you agree or disagree, tell him what you think. And for all of you that have joined us again, we thank you for your time, and we'll see you in the next episode. 